0: We're going to go to Luke chapter 12 and verse 35. I did a dangerous thing there and told a bunch of Pentecostals to start talking. But save all that fellowship, we'll engage it in in just a minute. The children's discipleship class can be dismissed. Everybody say respect. The the kids, mostly, your teachers. Amen. That goes for the adults, too. (laughs) Amen. Luke chapter 12 and verse 35. The Lord says, Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding. That when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily, I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. That's an interesting verse of Scripture. And it flies in the face of, of cultural custom and tradition. In another place in Scripture, Jesus uh, is talking to his disciples and he says, does the master thank them because they've done what is, what is expected of them? And it's, it's where Jesus says, I, I trow not. Uh, but in this portion of Scripture, Jesus says that the master, when he returns, if he finds the servant watching and opening to him immediately, will do something unexpected. He will gird himself... And he will sit them down to meat, and will come forth and serve them. And if he come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good men of the house had known at what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not with your attention for these next few moments. I want to teach on this thought tonight. Live ready, live ready. One benefit of the cold and flu season. Uh, one major drawback is that there is a number of people that are out with illness tonight. And so continue to pray for families around this church with either sick kids or uh, sick parents. But one cool benefit is it adds a nice deeper resonance to my voice. Uh, so if you were getting tired of the nasally intonation, um, just enjoy this tonight. I don't know. I feel extra scratchy. <clears throat> I just stay until everybody loosens up a little bit. <clears throat> 2022 is drawing to a close. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There's Christmas lights everywhere. If you're smart, you're taking advantage of the availability of eggnog uh, for eggnog lattes. You have piled frosting on top of your sugar cookies. You are enjoying the weekly blizzards. If you're from Arizona, apparently that's a cool thing. Uh, and you, you enjoy those winter uh, winter blizzards. It, you're, you're you're cooking the turkeys, the hams, the if you're a, again intelligent, the beef roasts, and opening presents with family. Now, at some point, <clears throat> hopefully, you are evaluate evaluating this this last year prayerfully. And prayerfully considering goals and changes for 2023. If if you have not done so, I would encourage you to do so. To uh, spend a, a a time of prayer with the Lord, looking back over your year, consider it your year-end performance review, if you will. If many that work in a in a, a workplace that maybe aren't self-employed, you. You, you are familiar with that undertaking where you sit down in front of your employer and they grade you on your performance throughout the year. It's everybody's favorite time of year, certainly when somebody else looks at your attendance record and looks at your productivity and attitude and all of that, but... It would be helpful, it would be good for you to sit down with the Lord and begin to evaluate this last year of your life. And also, it would be good to begin to prayerfully consider any goals and changes that you would set for 2023. It's good to have prayer and fasting and Bible and financial and personal goals. These are good things to set. If if you don't write them down I would encourage you to write them down. You need to find somebody to help you be a, accountable for those goals. Just heading into the year willy-nilly and and being like I'll read the Bible, I'll pray, there's there's value in that. But when you add a goal to stretch yourself and you add some structure to it, you will begin to grow. You'll begin to stretch yourself into a new dimension. And so you, you should I would encourage you to set prayer goals a minimum prayer goal. I I will pray X number of times a day. I will strive to pray this minimum number of minutes. Don't set a maximum prayer goal, set a minimum prayer goal. That's, that's one you want to put a a floor on. All right. It's good to have fasting goals. Uh, You know, I, I will, for example, you could set a goal of saying, I will fast one day per week, every week this year. If you, if you did that, faithfully at the end of the year, you might be saying, well, I could never go on a 40 day fast. But if you fasted one day per week for the entire year, that's 52 days of fasting. That's incredible. And that consistency and that faithfulness will catch the eye of heaven. Amen. But much like winter came to us in November, next year is coming, whether you're ready or not. And much like 2023 is coming, ready or not, Jesus is coming, whether you and I are ready or not. In Luke, he goes on in verse 41, and Peter says to him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? Are you talking just just to the disciples, Jesus, or are you talking to the whole crowd? At this point in Luke chapter 12, uh, there is such a large crowd gathered that they're beginning to trample on one another. And the Lord doesn't answer his question directly, but he says this. Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all servants That is... Faithfully completing their tasks and faithfully watching for his return. The the master doesn't tell the servant when he's coming back. The master simply tells the servant what to do. And the servant carries out the task until the master returns whenever he chooses. That's the expectation of a servant. That's the expectation of really, and and we use the word servant because we don't like to say the word slave, but that's the expectation of For you and I, is that we don't know when he's coming back, but we continue faithfully carrying out our duties. And Jesus has promised us that whoever that faithful and wise steward is, when he comes back and finds him so doing, he's going to make him ruler over all that he has. But in verse 45, He goes on and says, but, and if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming and he shall begin to beat the men, servants and maidens and to eat and drink and to be drunken. See, he, he, he realizes, okay, the master's been gone for a while. I'm in charge. I'm going to do what I want to do. He tries to usurp that place and that position of authority, and he begins, the Bible says, to beat the men's servants and the maidens. He takes it one step farther and begins to beat the maidens, and he begins to eat and to drink and to be drunk, and he, he's basically elevating himself out of the position of servant into the Lord. You see, it's, it's a easy thing for us to do to get our focus off and and lose sight of the fact that we are indeed the servant and we start worrying about us eating and us drinking and we start worrying about who's in charge or who's the top servant or who's most important or how many people are under me under me how many people are am i in charge of and and we start to elevate ourselves to the position of lord and eat and drink and be drunken But the Bible says that the Lord of that servant will come when in a day that he is not looking for him at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in sunder and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. That's pretty intense. So if we're watching, if we're ready If we're serving, if we're standing at the door with loins girded and lights burning so that the master only has to knock and we open the door to him, Jesus has promised and said, look, I'll gird myself and serve you a meal. But if we get laid back and we get lackadaisical and we begin to elevate ourselves out of a servant mindset into a Lord mindset and try to Lord over others and take care of this flesh and begin to eat and drink and be drunk. And then the Lord has promised to come at a moment when we're not aware and to cut in sunder. I would rather be served than sundered. One of those things sounds far more enjoyable than the other. He goes on to say in verse 47, And that servant, which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. Slap your neighbor, say many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. Slap them back, say a few stripes, so we've got a few options. We can either maintain a state of readiness, and the master will serve us a meal. We can lose focus and begin to elevate ourselves, and the master will cut us asunder. We can either do his will and avoid stripes. But if we know the Lord's will and ignore it, there are many stripes. If we don't know his will, which, by the way, all of you are not in this category. And so for us, it's either no stripes or many stripes. But if you don't know the master's will and you commit things worthy of stripe, it's just a few stripes for unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required and to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more Jesus has placed a lot into our trust. When you stop and consider the fact that he bled and died and gave everything he had for the church and then he ascends to heaven and puts the church in the hands of men, he has committed a lot to our trust. He has given to his servants promises. He's given to his servants access to his kingdom and to power. And he has said, now you run with it. Now, he's not left us alone. He's not left us by ourselves. But we have an incredible task entrusted to us. And to whom much is committed of him, they will ask the more. It's the doctrine of imminent return. Jesus does not tell us when he's coming back. God has reserved the day and the hour for himself. And in this we see absolute wisdom. We know human nature. If we knew the day that he was coming back, we would try to game it we would try to rig the system we would try to play it just right if if we knew the day in which we would perish and pass off the scene we would look for himself if you knew that you had a a, a physical for your your life insurance couple months out, you're going to start eating clean. You're going to try to get that cholesterol down. You're going to work out a little bit and try to drive those scale numbers down. It'd be the same thing if you knew that in 2024 on June 17th, the Lord was coming back. I guarantee you as you turn the corner into 2024, you'd be looking at your life like, okay, what can I clean up? What can I take care of? But we don't know the day or the hour. There have been attempts to pin it down throughout the years, but any attempt to try to figure out or put an actual date on when the Lord is coming back is misguided. It is foolish. The only recourse is to live ready. The only option that we have is to live in a state of perpetual readiness so that when the master shows up at the door and knocks on the door, there's a servant standing there with their loins girded and their lights burning, ready to fling the door open wide and say, Jesus, come quickly. I've been waiting for your return. I've been waiting for your presence. Or it's for your number to be up. But we don't know when your number's up. We don't know, and God forbid it's soon for any of us. I pray that each of us in here has five more decades or more of life and, and invigorating time. That would make some 113, which would be amazing. That'd be, like, awesome. But you don't know when your number's up. You don't know the day in which the Lord is going to call for your soul. And so you have but one option to live ready. But we need to dive just a little bit further down than that today. See, I don't want to just live ready for that day. And we we should prepare ourselves. We should be keeping an eye towards the heavens. We should be watching the signs of the time. We, we should be paying attention to what's going on and structuring our lives in such a way that when Jesus comes, we're ready to go. But I don't want to just live ready for that day, because if I am to be useful for the kingdom of God, I have to live ready for this day, this moment that I live in right now, Wednesday, December 21st. I've got to to be ready for the day today. I want to tell you a little bit of a story. It's from the year 2020. I know not a whole lot happened in 2020, but this is one of the more uh, important things that happened. There's a guy named David Ayers. Anybody ever heard of David Ayers? Don't raise your hand. I sent you the story. You're a knucklehead. <laughs> He was the facilities manager for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and NHL hockey team's junior league. And on February 22nd of 2020, the Carolina Hurricanes were in Toronto facing the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, in the hockey system, in the NHL and in their farm systems, it is the responsibility of every home team to maintain a pool of what are called emergency backup goaltenders. And... When each, each NHL hockey team has a roster limit, the number of people that they're allowed to have, and it's typical for each team to staff two goalies. You'd have your regular goaltender. You'd have your backup goaltender. Both of them prepare. They're always ready to go. They're ready to play. And sometimes you'll sit your regular goalie. If it's just a, a regular exhibition game, you'll get your backup some reps. But in the case of an injury, the backup has to be ready to go. But... What happens when your backup and your regular are injured? That's when you're allowed to dip into what's called the emergency backup goaltender. There's this pool of supposedly qualified individuals that are going to be able to step into an NHL hockey game and play goaltender. Now, I don't know why you'd want to do that. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of, uh, of intensity. But each team maintains a list of names. And so on February 22nd of 2020, David Ayers was at the ice rink like he would for any other game when he gets a phone call that it's his day. And David Ayers suits up for the visiting team, even though he's rostered and registered to the Maple Leafs, whichever team needs a goalie can call him into the game. And so they hurriedly sew his name onto the back of a jersey. And he's wearing a red jersey, but he's wearing blue breezers and a blue helmet and blue gloves. And he's thrust into the net to play a hockey game for the Carolina Hurricanes. His last recorded game was five years prior for a minor league team. He had previously played professional lower-level hockey where he started uh, eight games, and his record was 0-8. He was 42 years old when they asked him to step into the net. And he was the first ever emergency goalie to record an NHL win. You see, he stepped into the net that night, not knowing that day until the day came, not knowing that he was going. He had lived ready. He had lived prepared. He had maintained a state of readiness that when the the call came, uh, he was able to get suited up and get out on the ice and begin to play NHL hockey at the highest level level at 42 years old. And his quote at the end of the game was absolutely incredible. It's what made me sit up and take notice. He said, I have been on this ice many different times without fans. And that's where it gets most of us. See, he's a facilities manager. One of his duties is to maintain the ice. It's to run the Zamboni during the game. Uh, But uh, he lived that dream. He coached Little League hockey. He maintained physical readiness. uh, So the day that the call came, he could step into the net. Now, he did allow two goals, but he stopped eight more shots on goal. And his team uh, ended up winning. He did it without getting any contract For the game, but there was a readiness in his lifestyle that allowed him to step into that moment. It came from practice. It came from effort. It came from time spent on the ice when there was nobody watching and nobody paying attention. He's put himself in the goal. It came from coaching others to rise up. It came from being a a minor league player. It came from being a nobody and a nothing, but living ready for that day and that that moment when the fo- the call would finally come, uh, he would step into greatness uh, and then he would fade off. There's only a Wikipedia page. There's a few news articles. You could Google him. You could find him. But really his, his life went back to normal after that moment. Uh, but in that moment, when the call came, he was living ready. Can I tell you this is exactly how you and I ought to view ourselves in the kingdom of God. You do not know when the call is going to come. You do not know when God's going to knock on your door someday and say, hey, I've got something for you to do. Uh, You do not know uh, if one day you'll be thrust into the spotlight for everybody to see all of the sudden. uh, And in that day, that is not the moment to suddenly decide. I should have prayed a whole lot more. That is not the moment to decide. You know, I wish I would have fasted a little bit more. It's not the moment to decide. I I probably should have worked out a little bit more when suddenly here I am in a hockey net with large players slapping these hard rubber pucks at my face. That's not The moment, the moment is in the solitude when nobody else is paying attention. The moment is when you're practicing on the ice when there's no fans. Uh, The moment is when you're pouring into younger disciples uh, and raising them up. uh, And God just might uh, reach out one day and say, hey, uh, Brendan, I've got something I need you to do. uh, And I've been watching you. You're living ready. Uh, Your life has been structured. It's been built. It's uh, It's been designed to live for this moment. And God uh, might elevate you to a position uh, where all of the sudden, out of nowhere, uh, you're going to lay hands on somebody in a wheelchair and they're going to come out. Uh, I'm telling you, you don't have time uh, in a Walmart checkout line to go on a three-day fast. Uh, you don't have time uh, to go have an all-night prayer meeting. Uh, you've got to live ready uh, so that in that moment when your co-worker begins to break down uh, and tell you about their cancer diagnosis, uh, you're not going to get soft and say, well, I'll be praying for you, but something will come over you in that moment. Uh, Why? Because the call has come uh, and God has said now uh, is the moment. Uh, And so that, that practice, uh, that work that you've been putting in uh, that devotion uh, will all culminate in that one moment right there. uh, And your hand will go out uh, and faith will begin to flow. Why? Uh, Because there's somebody that's been living ready to do the work of the Lord. Can I tell you, you are surrounded by a field that is ready for harvest. And you are empowered by a God that desires to partner with you. And it might happen at any moment. I said it already, I'll say it again. You will not always have the opportunity for an all-night prayer meeting. So you need to do it now. You will not always have the opportunity for a three-day fast to try to discern the voice of the Lord. So you'd better figure out how to do that now. You, you, you do these things when nobody's watching. You, you do these things when, when the fans aren't there. You do these things because you're investing in the next generation. You do these things because of devotion. And then that call just might come. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 1, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who so judged the quick and the dead is appearing, and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. We usually utilize this verse to freak out younger preachers. In fact... We usually utilize it to freak out people when asking them to pray before Wednesday service. I, I, I've asked a number of people with uh, no notice and received the response of, well, well, I, I don't know. I don't know. My challenge to you is be ready. Be ready. You're in the house of God with five beans season. It might be out of season, but you are to be instant. Second Timothy, it, it, it's 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 an interesting read in the Amplified version, uh, and uh, I've got I've got the the cla- not the classic Amplified here, and they've got you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by in the light of His coming and His kingdom. going to need my eyes checked to read that. All right. I'm going back to mine. Preach the word as an official messenger. Be ready when the time is right. And even when it is not keep your sense of urgency, whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome. That's what instant means. Whether you feel like it or you don't, whether it's a good time for you or it's not, whether it's it's welcome or it's unwelcome, whether you deem it a favorable time or an unfavorable time to live ready is uh, whatever circumstance you find yourself in when God calls, it's go time. And your life is built and structured to go and to step out into the flow of the Spirit regardless of what uh, your mind is telling you. Regardless of what was going on uh, earlier in your day, you're ready to step out into the presence of the Lord. Amen. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 it says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. It's to be ready always. Not just after a Sunday service when we're fired up in the checkout line. I wonder how many waitresses get witnessed to after a wild Sunday. And then how many get witnessed to after a... Rough Monday. In season. Out of season. You see. We are to live. Ready. There are. Five wise and five foolish bridesmaids. In Matthew chapter 25. There's. There's a stock. There's a stockpile, There's a an extra supply of oil. That has been carefully nurtured and kept. In the event of everybody slumbered and slept, the wise and the foolish, they they all slumbered and slept. But then when the bridegroom came calling, the wise were able to draw on their reserves, their resources that they have stored against this day. And they were ready for the moment. We not we don't pray to be seen. We pray because we need to pray. We pray because we need to align ourselves with the will of God. We pray to advance his kingdom. We we pray because Jesus has, has commanded us to pray. But as you pray and as you memorize scripture and study scripture and as you fast, you're storing up for yourself treasures in heaven. It's that awkward moment when surely all of us have been in this moment where you at the checkout, and you swipe your card, and the cashier says, I, I, I'm sorry, your card's declined. And you're like, What? There, there's, there's money in the account. And you pull out another card, and if you're having a really bad day, you swipe that one, and that one's declined too. And then you pull out good old Capital One, because Capital One never lets you down, and you say, All right, so much for the college fund. It's an embarrassing thing. And I think what holds so many people back and what what binds us up so tight in fear is the fact that we are concerned that when we step into that moment and we step out on faith and we lay hands on somebody, God's not going to back us up. And fear cripples us. And fear shuts us down and it destroys our faith. Uh, but you've got to have a confidence. You've got to have uh, a complete assurance. No, uh, I've been living right. Uh, I've been striving to do the word of God. Uh, I've been praying. Uh, I've been walking right before the Lord. Uh, I don't have anything to be afraid of. Uh, I've been in the word. Uh, I've been after him. Uh, and, and First John tells us, even if our conscience condemns us, God, uh, he's greater than our heart. He, he He knows uh, where we've been anyways, and I'm determined to live ready. I made a statement a number of years ago. I was preparing to run a, well, I wasn't preparing, that was a problem. Uh, I was raising funds to run a half marathon for Sheaves for Christ, now move the mission. And I was a little bit younger uh, than I am right now. And somebody asked me what I was doing. And I told them, you don't train to run a half marathon. You just run a half marathon. Can I tell you that that is possible? Uh, Because I did it. But I promise you, some training ahead of time to get ready would have made the experience far more enjoyable. By the end of 13.1 miles, which cannot fathom it, I cannot fathom running for an extended period of time for fun. But if that's, if that's any of you, I'll be praying for you. Uh, the Lord can do miraculous things. But by the end of it, my legs hurt so bad. My calves were just knots. My hamstrings, it was, it was horrible. I'm sure anybody that saw me, could have told really quickly that I was completely unprepared for the moment that I found myself in. I remember I I pulled up to the house in my car, and I had already called ahead and told my wife to get an ice bath ready, because I was, I don't know why, I just knew that that would fix everything. And I tried to get out of my car, and my legs just didn't want to work, and I'm walking like Bambi on ice, just like, See, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that experience. I don't want to find myself in deep waters that I have no business swimming in. I don't want to find myself out on, on the end and past the extent of... Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. God, in, and we can respond in faith and step out. And God will take us further than our abilities can ever take us. At, but I want to be prepared for that moment. I desire to live ready to follow the dictates of the spirit. Numbers chapter 9 verse 21. And this is my last portion of scripture. Everybody can say amen. We're excited. We're happy. We'll be out of here in record time. Unlike my half marathon attempt. I have not done it since then. I probably never will again. Uh, But I do want one of those stickers for my car. I just want to. Right next to the the stick figure family, I want to put that annoying 13.1. I always want to, like, throw something at those cars. We get it. You ran a marathon. Stop bragging. Numbers chapter 9 and verse 21. And so it was when the cloud abode from even unto the morning, and that the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they journeyed. Whether it was by day or by night that the cloud was taken up, they journeyed. He's talking about the children of Israel as they are walking through the wilderness experience. God is leading them to the promised land, but they are led by a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. And it did not matter whether it was a convenient time or season when the cloud moved, they moved. And I'm gonna be a church. I am determined that we will be a church where it doesn't matter if it's a convenient season or a convenient time when the Spirit moves. We move when the Holy Ghost begins to alter our direction and destination, then we will begin to change our steps to align with what the spirit is saying. Uh, It's going to be a church where the word uh, is going to be allowed to be preached, whether we like it or not. We're going to be instant in season and out of season, whether it's favorable or it seems unfavorable, whether the opportunity is welcome or unwelcome. When the cloud moves, the church is going to move. It doesn't matter if we've just gotten comfortable with our service structure or our position or our place in the body. If the spirit picks up, we've got no choice but to uproot ourselves and to step out and to begin to follow. Because if we don't have the spirit of God, we've got nothing. But if we can just follow that cloud, there's a promised land that he's leading. Us to there's a place uh, that he's taking the church, uh, but we've got to live structured. We've got to live ready. Uh, that at a moment's notice, uh, all of a sudden, all he's got to do uh, is just a little breath of wind, uh, and somebody in the pews begins to get a sense. Uh, it doesn't just have to be pastor, uh, but somebody in the pews uh, that's been living ready and their life has been structured uh, and they're walking with the Lord uh, begins to get sense uh, that it's moving. And they begin to follow over here. uh, And you notice that sister so-and-so begins to move. uh, And then all of a sudden, all of us are pointed uh, and walking after the spirit. Can I tell you uh, what this world needs uh, is not a program. It doesn't need uh, a polished thing. What it needs is a people that is sold out uh, to follow the spirit of God. uh, To be instant in season. uh, To be ready when it's not season. Uh, There's no off season in the kingdom of of God, uh, we can't relax and stop practicing just because uh, we've played our football game uh, and now it's summertime. No, uh, it's always season. Uh, it's always season for us to be following after the cloud when the cloud moved. They moved. It didn't matter if they just put breakfast on. Uh, You picked up the pan. Uh, You stamped out the fire. You started walking. Uh, It didn't matter if you just laid little Johnny down to sleep. Uh, You picked him back up out of his bed. Uh, It didn't matter if you just driven down your tent stakes. You pulled your tent stakes back up uh, and you loaded your tent back up uh, and you just started walking. Where are we going, Mama? I don't know. There's the cloud and it's moving uh, and we've got to follow the cloud. We've got to follow the Spirit. Uh, We've got to live a life uh, that is so unencumbered by the cares of this world uh, that if God says it's time for you to pack up uh, and to go to another city, uh, it doesn't take us having to sell nine cars uh, and find somebody to take on a foolish mortgage payment. uh, But we're ready to go uh, because we're not encumbered with the cares of life, but our lives are structured uh, to be standing at the door with our loins Curded and our lights burning, waiting for the knock at the door of the master. Say, "Hey, it's time." Ah, Hallelujah, Jesus. See, it's it's up to you to unencumber yourself. It's up to you. It's up to you to qualify and begin to prepare yourself. And God, God just may call. And will you be ready? It's a different sermon when God's done and you fade back into nobody knowing your name or where you're from. Will you be ready for that? But I'm determined. I'm determined. I I don't I don't study the Word of God just for something to preach. There was a a stage in my life where God convicted me about my prayer habits. As a younger minister, I, I realized it was a it was a it was a bad habit that I had developed that I prayed more when I was about to preach. God help us. It, it, it's not something where I know that there's a ministry upcoming, and so I, I'm going to like go extra super crazy for a little while and then back off when nothing's coming. But we live ready, primed, focused, locked in on the cause. Set aside every weight that so easily besets And run with patience the race that is set before you. It's not my job to point out all the weights in your life. Now, God might reveal some of them, and maybe some of them are obvious. And if they're obvious, if the Lord gives me liberty, I might say something. But ask the Lord, God, is there anything in my life that's slowing me down? That's holding me back. That's making me not available, not ready. And because he loves you, he'll tell you. He'll let you know. And when he does, deal with it. Respond to it. Ready yourself. And be instant, in season, out of season. I won't make it a practice of asking you to preach on the drop of a hat. But I would ask you to be ready to testify to anybody in this community, whatever the moment, whatever the time. If God opens that door, you'd be ready to walk through it. You'd be ready to go through it. It's your life. It's your testimony. Give them the real one, not the fluff one. Give them the real one about what God has really done. Oh, I was a carnal jerk. I battled depression and suicidal thoughts, but Jesus was. Give them them the real testimony, not the, oh, God's so good. You should come to my church. It's fantastic. I don't know why I went into a southern accent there. Give them the real version. Be ready.